0: Well,
1: summer is about over. It's time for us to get back to work, Dion.
0: Well, it happens sometimes. I mean, you, can only, you can only take a break for so long.
1: Well, life happens, right? Kids, school, summer stuff. Yes. Speaking of being back to school, our guest today, one of the all-time greatest for the Illini. And D- in the state of Illinois. And in the state of Illinois, D. Brown, <laughs> who is now back to school at the University of Illinois at Chicago, trading in his orange and blue for red and blue. You know what that's like, don't
0: I, you? I sure do. And great opportunity, I'm sure, as D will have an opportunity to talk about it tonight, working for a heck of a coach who has a whole lot of energy, uh, just like that matches the the human fast break on the other line of this phone right here. <laughs> D, what's going on with you, baby? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, no, trust me, it's our pleasure. Um, as Eric said, one of the greatest to ever put on the orange and blue, one of the greatest from the state. You know, and so it's our pleasure. And and I know we've been trying to get this done a long time, but to have you on, bro. So welcome to the fadeaway.
2: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it.
0: So we got a
1: – what's going on now? What are you – tell us what the job is over there at UIC now.
2: Oh, man. After finishing my first season, uh, it was more about just identifying my role. And, and, and now I embrace my role of uh, you know, being a young guy with the energy, young guy that, that, that can relate to the players and uh, – to try to get these guys better each and every day. Um, It's been a great opportunity for me being in the city, um, being at at the sister school, while I went to school University of Illinois, uh, UIC is a great opportunity and a sleeping giant. And we really got uh, great academics, you got great uh, athletic program, especially our basketball team was doing, who's gonna do really well this season, had a really good season last year. So we're just trying to build on that momentum and keep it going.
0: You know, we love we love where you're from and I always like the I mean where you are, but I always like to highlight where guys are from. You know, people might some people might say, "Oh, well, you know, you're not from Chicago." I'd say, "You walk right across the street. You're from the shot. You're from yeah. the West Side just like I am." Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what your area where you grew up and instilled in you, which led you to be the great high school player that you were.
2: Yeah, yeah, I grew up out west Chicago. Uh, nobody knowing my decision making. I mean, I was in sixth, sixth grade. I went to school um, up north. Um, I used to take, you know, it used to take me like an hour and a half to get up to school. Every, you know, from first grade to sixth grade, my mom wanted a diverse, better education for me from where I grew up at. Mm-hmm. So I traveled, I always traveled to go to school first for academics. I didn't play basketball from first to sixth grade. So by the time I was 56th grade, my brother really wanted me to play basketball and really better the competition. So I transferred to another school where basketball, they was want to highlight my basketball abilities. So I went to another school in my seventh grade year. We, we did really well. Um, lost in, I mean, we lost in the city championship, like just final four. And after that year, I transferred to go play for Amari's Soria dad, uh, where we had at least six D1 guys on the team. Um, we won my one state as an eighth grader. Um, and now everybody in the city was kind of recruiting me. Uh, getting me, trying to get me to go to school. So me and my mom really looked at what would be better for my career, better for me going moving forward. So I looked up with Isaiah and the guy um, was like, "Man, we you know we rich in tradition here. You, you know, you guys should think about coming here. You know, start varsity." So me and my mom picked up from out west, and you know, we was living in a real bad area, man. and those areas, you know, for me, keeping the basketball, you know, walking to the park, being able to have that outlet and basketball was always an outlet. Dudes didn't, didn't bother me because they knew I went into the streets. So taking that whole toughness and that basketball is my way out out to Maywood, which Maywood ain't no better. It's a really tough community to, 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 to be raised in. So a lot of people don't know that. So when I moved out to Maywood, we had to move there because most city schools would be like, oh, D live out west. He shouldn't be able to go to Provisor Weeks. Mm-hmm. So I had to move to that district. So when people found out I actually moved there, now my freshman year my sophomore year and then after my sophomore year, I took off. And most people was like, oh, you know, D. Brown from Maywood. They, they they knew me, but they, you know, they always were where you went to high school at. So I claim Maywood for sure. Um, but I'm an out West kid who moved out to Maywood for the prestige and the guys that they had coming through there, such as Mike Finley, Stephen Hunter. I mean, you know, a lot of guys can't say as a freshman, they was playing with a seven-foot Division One NBA player. You know what I mean? I, I, I always moved around the city and wanted to play with the best. I didn't just want to play against the best. I wanted to play with the best because when you play with the best, that's why I would say I'm one of the greatest to ever do it because I was a winner. You know, I'm like the Bill Russell. I always, wherever I went, I wanted to win. <laughs> I didn't care about how many points I averaged. I probably won the best player on my team. But when you left that arena, you knew what my purpose was to uh, play hard, enjoy the game and win. And everywhere I, I, I went, I made sure high school, from grade school to high school. And then on to the college that I, I put myself in the best position to win. And um, that, that was my choice of picking provisor Weason. Wanted to start as a freshman and play with older guys and learn the game. Um, you know, learn the game. You know, when you're 14, I never thought about age because when I was 12, 13, I was playing with my brother. I was playing with a grown man. So when I got to high school, it was an easy adjustment for me. Um, and that's my story. You know, me being a Chicago kid, it really taught me toughness. It really taught me how to really be competitive. And one thing everybody knew about me in the city was when I showed up, and we picking teams at the court. I'm going to pick the best players there, that we're gonna right.
0: win. Well, I can tell you this: it's thank you for the education. Because of course, you being so much younger than than me, I I always thought you were from um, from Maywood. But the crazy thing is, I ran through those same circles because you know I I grew up on the west side. I grew up in the village, but everybody mm-hmm. equates me with being on the south side because I played at Simeon. So I had mm-hmm. people say, yeah, you're from the south side. I'm like, no, bro, I'm from the west side. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I lived in Englewood for three years. You know, the rest yep. of my life was spent over in the village. So yep. thank you for the education. And I'm sure that'll uh, surprise a lot of people a- as it did me right now. But another great thing is that you just mentioned in there is your older brothers got you involved in basketball. Mine, the same story. My older brother told me that I wasn't going to play baseball no more, that I had to play basketball. So, tell a, a little bit about the influence that your older brothers had on you.
2: Yeah, man. They was, you know, like I said, when we was living, you know, growing up out in the city, I uh, saw so my brothers, you know what I mean, very, you know, they was into uh, sports, but they wasn't fully committed. I mean, they was in and out, you know, half street, half half athletics. So, uh, I saw my brother come home with shoulder pads and helmets. I saw him uh, when I went to play, you know, watch him play basketball, play against some of the top teams in the city. So, that kind of like, you know, motivated me and made me want to do the same thing. So, a lot of people don't know my background in football. Like, when I got to, out to Maywood, I wanted to play football. I thought that was brought, brought toughness. I thought it brought leadership for me being able to be a quarterback and run your whole team. Um, really became a really good football player. Um, Could have went to, you know, got had a couple of D1 scholarships to go play football as well. But that came from my brother and them telling me that toughness and being able to compete and being able to be in a locker room with a lot of different walks of life, a lot of different guys, and being able to lead. And um and um you know high sports brought everybody together from the neighborhood. So, um I would say that they just told me that man stay on the court, stay in the lab, keep working on your game, go everywhere to play against the best in the city. So I went everywhere in the city. Everybody everybody knew me for the little basketball. Oh that's little D. And he like to play basketball and he liked to go to different parks. And that's how I used to maneuver around the city. Man play football, basketball, just stay busy with sports.
1: You, do you talk about winning and how important that was. How you know when you get out on the recruiting trail or when you go talk to high school students now? Do you still see that? You think that you were a little unique in that aspect?
2: Uh, that's 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 the key, man. I remember I was at this uh, banquet recently. I'm gonna keep the coach anonymous, but a coach, <laughs> a coach, a coach said something. And I walked up to him after he said it. I said, "Why did you just say that? Why, why did you just give away the most simple?" way of thinking about how you win championships and you gave it away to your enemies. So he got up on stage. He was like, you know, when we go into the recruiting process, you know, most of our guys on our team has won at the high school, grade school level. They either won state, they either won conference every year. They, 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 they have won. We recruit winners. And I I looked at him, I said, wow, that man just gave away something that was so simple and so easy to understand that when you get to our campus, we ain't got to teach you what winning is. When that ball hit the ground, diving on the ball. What is win- what is winning basketball? What's the end goal? What's the bottom line? All you got to do is just teach the game and teach whatever your philosophy is. You ain't got to teach some guys. You got to teach them how to win because they never won before. They don't know what winning takes. So for me, you know, when I talk and you talk to about my career, I don't talk about what I did stat wise or I was giving this dude thirty. No, I was beating you. I was kicking. I was you. You, you were beating us. Well, that's the team I won. You, won. you didn't beat me, and that, and that carries way more than of dudes saying they gave me 30 because a lot of dudes didn't gave me 30. But him, did he win the game? You know what I mean? And that's all that really matters because, you know, his name go down for different reasons. My name going to go down because people care more about winning. I think the ones who are great think more about winning than, hey, man, you know, I only had like two, two, three points. But, you know, we end up winning the game convincingly. And, you know, I take whatever I did into the next game or the next, you know, you, you know each game presents something new. But the biggest thing when I'm on the road is, man, I – I try to recruit guys. I think, one, is you know cares about winning and loves the game. And then, two, they, 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 they'll tell you they want to be a pro, but they work towards wanting to be a pro. A lot of them say they want to be a pro, and they don't work hard. So that knocks them down a level from the recruitment. A lot of guys say they want to win, but when you go watch them play, they don't play winning basketball. So um, for me, I, I try to recruit guys who, who care about winning because the, in this game we play, you know, in life period, but in the game I, where I work, winning for me is everything. Everything else comes second.
0: And that's a a great segue into my my next question and statement. You are currently the all-time winner in games at the University of Illinois. And I think that's one of the things that, like you said, people love and respect about you. They love the fact that you came in with a winning attitude, winning mentality, with the ability and the urge to do those things that uh, bring about winning. Can you talk a little bit about, one, what was your role, which I kind of just laid that out when you were, <laughs> when you were at uh, U of I, but what you brought to the team and how you, you know, because I can sit back and remember that Arizona game, about mm. how you just said, no, you're not winning a day.
2: Yeah, I think, I think it all started, like I said, like my junior high school. man. We had five D1. I, I played with six D1 guys in high school. And we never made it downstate now they they, they, they changed the format of who you got to play to get down and you know i, I wasn't always happy with high school basketball because of the shot clock people hold the ball against us and that was their strategy so it really wasn't the best team that won it was the best strategy that won so mm-hmm. I, I i didn't i didn't go downstate and that used to hurt me i won all those awards i was mr basketball i, I didn't care about none of that i, I wanted a banner so when i walked up into the high school i was in I, my legacy was solid there you know what i mean so when i got to college. It just went to a whole nother level. I said I'm gonna win a national championship. I said I'm gonna dominate the Big Ten. I want to be the winningest player in Big Ten history, which I came up one game short. I win a national championship. I'm gonna win this player in Big Ten history. It's all it was. It was all about winning, and that went down to how I recruited. Um, James was gonna go to Purdue. Me and James, were the saying, man, you team. I'm like, hey, man, let's go and make history. Let's go play together, man. You got such a great bond. Our families get to uh, get along so well. So I got James to get, um, come on board. And me and James is the winningest player in Illinois history, which I told him we, we would have a chance to do. Then I called, you know, Coach Self told me to call, you know, a guy named Darren Williams and tell him that we can play together. Got right on the phone, called Darren. Hey, man, we can make this happen. We can room together. You can hide a ball, whatever you want to do. I'm used to playing with a good guard. Shannon Brown, one of the best players that played in the Big Ten, and got two NBA rings. I mean, him starting to back off for three years. Our other guard at, mm-hmm. at, at Proviso East went to Nebraska. So I'm used to playing with really good players. That don't bother me. I'm trying to play with the best. So once I got those guys on board, we got on campus, we started talking winning. The swagger start coming out. The work ethic started coming out. The you're not going to beat me attitude was already, you know, put in place when we came in with, you know, playing with Brian Cook, you know, Big Ten Player of the Year. Um, you know, the standards were set, man. You know, I just think in life you got to have some standards. My standard was work hard. Play as a team,
0: and winning is the bottom line. Always, the thing that sets apart, um, like you said, the winners from the losers, the movers from the shakers, yeah. it is always the attitude that you bring. When I when you first took the job um, at UIC, and I talked to Coach one day, he loved your energy, and he was like, "And then I watched him play as a player, and I love what he brings to the table." You mentioned earlier that. You've kind of embraced your role um, at, at UIC. Was that your role at Illinois as well?
2: Um, I was—I I would say yes. But the, what I can do now, as far as being on the court, as far as really being a coach, is a little is a little bit different. You, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you actually do scouts now. You actually break down. You got segments in practice where you are controlling certain certain things, you know what I mean? you you you're right there on the court with the guys, you know what I mean? And and that makes a big difference because you get to learn so many different um, ways of doing things, if that makes any sense. I, I would tell you that a lot of basketball players, I can see why they can't make the transition to being a coach. Um, the way you got to be able to, to um, you know, talk to the players, you, you know what I mean? Take yourself out of a, I, I once was a player and just really teach the game from a, a coaching perspective. Um, you know, I'm learning a lot, but, Um, that's what I think every organization really needs to do. Identify your role and play your role to the best of your ability. You be the best at what you do. So for me, I I, I know when I, when I join a team, which I'm on the coaching staff, I, you know, you got to figure out what do you do and what do you bring and and stay in your lane. So for me, this past year was just figuring that out, making sure I help coach in any way I can, um, bring that energy every single day. But also just be a player guy. You know what I mean? Me, me understanding and being a college, you know, student athlete. I give these guys so much information on what not to do, things that's <laughs> gonna help them it. and benefit them on that side of it. And I'm really good at that because again, I lived it. Experience it is the best teacher. And I try to tell those guys, I don't know everything, but the things I tell you, they're gonna be what not to do because I probably didn't done it, seen it, and that's not the way to do it. So you need to do this way. And that'd be the biggest thing I could tell you is just giving that knowledge guys will thank you whether they listen or not they'll thank you later because you're doing your job by telling them the right things to do and what not to do and you're doing it with so much passion and and, and, and that's what i love to do
0: yeah that was one of the things you know you mentioned that, that i love because what you what you're doing in essence is taking boys and and turning them into men and uh, through your life experiences and and giving them um the blueprint on on how to be successful because you've been successful. Like you say, you've been successful everywhere that you've gone. And it, it's so strange that, you know, how our lives have kind of paralleled, you know, from high school to college and then to Europe. Because mm-hmm. you, you and I, you know, played for Maccabi Tel Aviv. So mm-hmm. I, I'd just like to lead you into kind of, you, you know, of course you had your your, your NBA experiences, which I'd like you for you to touch on. But I also want you to touch on a little bit about, you know, just living in Europe and the things that you did over there. So your overall professional um, uh, profile. Yeah, right yeah, I got, I, got, I, got, I, got, I
2: got really lucky. I got really lucky. I got drafted by the um, Utah Jazz at the time with made 19 straight postseasons. So when I got there, I was playing for a legendary coach, and Coach Sloan did things a lot different. But my rookie year we went to the Western Conference Finals. We won our division, and, and we beat – uh T Mac Yao Ming team to get to the Western Conference Finals against the San Antonio Spurs. So when I when, when I that was a learning experience right there going to the pros and being able to win on that level and be a part of a, you know, division championship team and, you know, trip to the Western Conference Finals. Uh and actually play in the playoffs. So my my my, my, my time in the NBA was awesome. I learned a lot. I would just tell guys this though. There's there's levels to everything in life. On this basketball side, if, you are, if you're an NBA guy, you're a clear NBA guy. It's a numbers game. It's, it's a lot of things that go on. But once I figured out that Europe was best for me, that I can go over there and be a really good European and be a really good player, uh, I stuck to that. You know, made, made, made good money, played, played against really good competition. So I embraced going overseas and be a high-level guy and being a, a big part of an organization. When you sign over there, so much is put on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. So when I went over and played in Europe, played like for seven years, I respect any guy who do more than five years over there. So That's for the mental, the, the 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 experience that you go through, far as language barrier, far as not being paid on time, far as the two a days each and every day. Uh, I respect your work ethic. I respect your grind and your love for basketball. Clearly shows because to do that, you you know it takes a lot. So I went over there. Uh, I won. I won two championships. Um, I won the Israeli championship. I won also the Bulgarian championship. I lost in the Latvia championship, and um, you know I lost also. made it to a final four in the Europe, you know, Europe Cup. So, well, every team I, you know, I used to sign with. I, I told you that was my biggest. That was my biggest thing when I talked to the general manager. I was asking, "Who are you going to sign? Who else are you thinking about? We want to get three, four Americans. I mean, three, four foreigners. So, who are we looking to sign? That mattered to me because I typically was the first one to sign. I signed early, and usually teams take the point guard or big. Right. I was usually was the first one they signed. I ask them before I sign, who else you trying to sign? Because I come with the attitude of winning. In my contract, I put a lot of different bonuses and incentives based on winning. I don't have to do all. I need to average X, Y, and Z. No, we win the, the cup. If we go to the Final Four, if we win it all. So when teams hear you talk about winning, they know you on business. They know you coming with the winning attitude off back because it ain't about no money. Thing about this, it's about winning. And when we win, that's when the money comes. So me to you know, have the nine-year career and play or you know, play abroad and play overseas. Uh, I played in every league in the world but Australia. Um, I think when you start talking about guys being pros, they always say, oh, what, what, what level of a pro? I say, I done played against guys in Europe that was I think was better than a lot of NBA guys I played. <laughs> they just happen to be in Europe because there's only 350 guaranteed jobs in the NBA. So you got to look at it in perspective. A lot of guys don't got perspective. And so I used to come back home and guys used to be like, man, what you been on, D? And they see me in open gym and they see me. I became a full, full pledged pro, like one missing shots. Um, you know, like I just – my gang was getting better. Like I learned how to play international basketball and high-level basketball for nine years, and I was very grateful for that. And I would tell any guy out there that's willing – you know, that's, that's one – that want to be a pro, it's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of hard work. That you got to put in to play in the NBA, Euroleague, wherever, wherever league you trying to play in, just understand it's going to be really tough and it's going to be something that you want to really work at and be committed to. If not, you're not going to make it.
0: And that's kind of one of those life lessons for everyone, because I think people feel that they can walk in the room and, and things work and not understand that <laughs> <laughs> you got to love the process. You got to love yeah. the grind and. You know, you have, to, you have to pay it forward, basically, you know. Absolutely, I, I, I absolutely. And that's the
2: reason why reason why I retired retired kind of early, too. I was given a lot of knowledge and mentoring a lot of the young guys over there who I see getting drafted now. And I was like, why do I just go back to America and find me a spot where I can mentor more guys in the program and be more at home with it? Because when I was in Europe, man, my backup point guards was 16, 17 years old. I used to destroy them every single day mm-hmm. and do it purposely. And, and I used to see them getting better. And better, and then I play them three years later. I'm like, damn, that's a little, that's a little. Dude. I, used to, I used to, and he will look at me and be like, but that's their thing. They keep bringing Americans over who are really good, who got really good resumes, and 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 let you groom their players, teach them American way because they already know the team way and know how to play the play the game. But you bring that toughness, and you just you just destroying them every single day. You get in their guys better each and every day. So, um, you know, I would say my last year, I knew I was going out. I was like. Let me win a championship. I won guard of the year. I won player of the year. Won a won Bargarian championship. Um, when I was done, I was like, I think I accomplished everything I needed to. Now it's time to go back and get my coaching career going because one of the things that people don't know is the longer you play, the more hurt hurts you. Because they're going to say you ain't got coaching experience. Yep. And for me, that's a touchy, that's a touchy subject. But I'm going to leave it at that and just say that most guys who are the best in the world right now are former players and former point guards. We think the game a lot different. Our mind is a lot more um, um geared towards everyone. Like you gotta make sure everyone touches the ball. You gotta make sure everybody is happy. You gotta make sure everybody following what coach said on the court. So you become the second coach on the court. And I've been doing it a long time in Europe where I coached our Americans. I was the American guy who was in charge of don't let that dude go crazy. I can speak to him in my English, but it's up to you to make sure he stays under control. And so I've been doing it for a long time. That's why the transition is pretty easy. It's just more. When you become an assistant, I'm just telling you, you gotta know your role. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta be good at what you gotta be good at what you do, and love what you do, and do it for the team. And I always been a team guy, that's why I say once I got in this business, um, because it's tough to get in. That I, that I do pretty good because I'm a team guy. No matter what role you give me, I'm gonna be a star at it.
0: nah man, that's that's great stuff. That's great stuff. D, when you
1: uh, got over there, and, and I'm guessing you were you were pretty mature for getting over there. Um, but I'm, you know, you get a Europe in your early twenties and you talked about the language barrier. Who are some of those guys that really stepped up and helped mentor you? Cause you're talking a lot about paying it forward. Who are some guys that you can highlight and some stories maybe to tell about, uh, about who helped you?
2: Oh uh, man. Who helped me? Other than
1: Dion here, of course, I'm <laughs> sure.
2: I, you know, you know, in Europe, I already had some really good teammates, but I wouldn't say that nobody really, really helped me. I would say some of the guys that I can name off back that you'd be surprised who really, really helped me. Of course, Darren helped me. Darren Williams, of course, helped me. Um, Derek Fisher was one of my big homies. Uh, you know, Derek Fisher really helped me. Jason Kidd really helped me. These these are guys who, you know, are legendary. By the way, um, I had a guy who's from Houston named Charles. Names Charles Gaines. We played on three different teams together. He really helped me. Really helped me transition to making me understand how to adapt and, and to fit in because it's really tough when when you and the coach really don't speak the same, you know, not only is it terminology, but when he get mad, he start yelling and showing you up. When you get mad, you you know, you try to talk to him, he don't understand. So he kind of pulled me to the side of a lot of those situations and told me how to deal with him. So um, a lot of guys did help me, but can't lie. man. It was all, in most countries, it was all me. It was all me having to make an adjustment. And um, – It was cool because, like I said, what I learned over there really going to help me what I'm doing today.
1: Well, I think you you, you approach the game differently than a lot of players. Again, and I kind of touched on that with the the winning and I want to win. And it doesn't matter. We haven't talked about any numbers. You know, we haven't talked about points per game or assists or where you are on anything. You've talked all about how many championships you've won, how Mm -hmm. many games you've won. And I think that's a little different for some people. I think maybe a little off-putting. Maybe some people aren't quite sure how to take that. You know, is it really about they, that? They, <laughs> you
2: know? they can feel any way they want. Yeah, but yeah. When when, when when you talk about organizations and you, and you talk about how they walk around with this, because they win. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, if you when, when you're not winning and, you, and I'm just sitting here talking about all the numbers and you don't hear championships, I think that's more of a problem. You can say that. Uh, I'm sitting here bragging. I'm
1: sitting here being X, Y, Z, but I'm only, I'm only talking about teams. I think it's I think it's, I think it's that's a, quite the no, opposite. It's, it's actually it's <laughs> actually
0: refreshing because I, I've had the people ask me, you know, about being the all-time leading scorer, and I, I tell them all the time, I turned in that in a heartbeat to have won a Big Ten championship. I turned it in in a heartbeat to have advanced further than we did in the um, past the second round in the NCAA tournament. Turn around in a heartbeat. Bro, love it. Love it. And if you can pump that into your players and they Mm -hmm. understand, you know, because basketball, you have five people on the court. Football, you got 11 people on the court. Soccer, you have 11 people on the court. Nobody wins unless the team does what it's supposed to do. So that's why I I love, you know, you making that point because I think it's a huge point. But at the same time, Eric, I, I agree with you. Some people will judge an individual by the numbers he put up instead of looking at the big picture. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the things. And and I I tell people about Tom Izzo, you know, because you know he's one of the people that I would talk to and I would, you know, pick his brain on things. And he always said, he was like, yeah, and he was like, I bring in players that want to win. I bring in players that are are coming into this organization because they fit what it is that I want to do. And he was like, they don't have to be the best players. But they come in here with an an, an, an idea, I mean, a, a mentality and, and an idea to leave it on the floor every single time. So it's refreshing to hear somebody, and I'm going to call you a young coach because this is only year <laughs> two for you, but to hear a young coach that understands and, and gets it, one, because that's the way he's always played and he's always lived his life, but to be able to translate that to the guys that are under his tutelage right now will, will be far-ranging and far-reaching for, for them, not just – while they're at UIC, but as they go forward,
2: yeah, you tell them, you, and and you always talk, people talk when I'm when I'm down with the of Nation. I talk about my going into my senior year. It was like, oh man, they coming off that magical run, you know, D coming back. He got play point. He gonna be XYZ. I used to sit and laugh. Like, do they not know we had dudes on the bench patiently waiting who thought they should have been playing my junior year? Who's gonna come in and they know we know how to win. We know how to play. We're going to win. We're going to the final four again.
0: Right. We are loaded.
2: I, like, I don't think people understood that. So I'm like, okay, I ain't going to be good without little Darren. I'm like, what they didn't know was we was, we was nine, 10, 12 deep out of that team. My junior year, that team was 13 of us. Only two guys didn't play pro basketball. So I had 11 pros on my team. I hope everybody know that. And I used to brag about it and tell people, <laughs> one of the best player on my team, um, you know, that year I won defensive player of the year, it was because I had guys who really knew how to guard the ball so I can take more risks in the passing lane. It was all built on team. When I was on Sports Illustrated, everybody was like, oh, D getting all the love. My team knew Illinois was getting all the love. So it was never about I. It was about we, us together. And that terminology, you could tell how we played, you know, how how, how the ball moved, how it, it, it was mm-hmm. we never had no pro no chemistry problems. It was never about me. So when people start looking at it, they gotta look at the right things. Cause my, cause my my senior, we was top ten all year in the country. Mm-hmm. Won twenty six games my senior year because of the same winning attitude that we gonna do X Y Z. Me and James, we are gonna have to pick our numbers up. You know, I think my numbers shooting wise dropped, but points assists went up. But the, at the end of the day, the wins was the same for my first, you know, my three years. It's all about winning. You know, we we we're not gonna take a step down from this to understand what winning basketball is. So I think. When you got these guys in college basketball averaging 19, 20 points, I, I tell our guys, I was national player here and I averaged 12, and I, I say that saying I could I could have got more shots, I could have been about me, but take some of those points and distribute them amongst everybody else. Now you got six, seven guys in double figures, yeah. everybody's happy. We, you know, offensively you don't got to talk about it. You just got to worry about playing defense every single game, and the ball gonna move and it's gonna get shared. So. I would I would just tell guys out there that you know who really trying to get in this business and really trying to consistently win, it better be about team. And if it's about me, I love playing against guys when it's about me because we because you because we gonna beat you. Right,
0: that's so fun. That's a great point. That takes me back to my time in in Maccabi. Anthony Parker was player of the year in Europe that year. And you mentioned guys that are some of the best players. Anthony Parker and people don't realize. Is one of the best players I have ever seen and I have Absolutely. Ever played against.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good player.
0: When he got to the league, you know, they made him a situational three point shooter, but one of the best players I ever. He won player of the year in the Euro League two years in a row. Anthony Parker averaged 11 points in the, a game. <laughs> our, our team had seven people that averaged um, eight points to uh, to 11 points. Penny Gershon, and you know Penny from Maccabi. Mm-hmm. Penny Gershon mm-hmm. said, I don't need nobody on my team to average more than 10 people, 10 points. But I'd love to have 10 people average 10 points. It's 100 points a game. Mm-hmm. You're not losing no games. Mm-hmm. You're, not You're not losing, losing no any game. games. So and, that's a great that, point that you made. Yeah, it's a that great identity.
1: point that you made there. Well, and it, the Sports Illustrated, so I'll lead you to this. That cover that you just mentioned, I can visualize it still. What are you doing in the picture? Do you remember? I'm you're,
2: looking at it right now. I'm popping my jersey at Iowa. And how
1: did that? And how did that start? I mean, that what to, the
2: orange the orange crushed you to travel the games and, and pretend to be the opposite opposite uh uh you like who's Iowa? They came in with Iowa shirts, and when the tip off mm-hmm. came, they took their shirts off and started jumping. Mm-hmm. So like Iowa Purdue is the two schools I pop my jersey on because honestly them the schools that like I guess it was rival. I guess it was like a. Big beef because we struggled against both of those teams because Purdue played just like we played. Yeah. Coach Weber came from that. We played the same motion, played the tough, same tough defense. We did everything they did, so that was a tough matchup for us. Iowa, Iowa had really good guards. They had three pro guards, so when we played them, it was it was it was, it was battles. So I think I hit a few threes. Once I hit a few threes, how I get my people going, how I get the building rocking. <laughs> That's how I used to get the building rocking. And, and, and the other schools didn't like it. That was so funny. Other schools could have called you a lot of different names. I'm glad social media wasn't went out. <laughs> I probably would have been the most arrogant, stuck up, whatever word they was using, you know, egotistic guy, but my Illinois people knew what what it was about and they, right. and they loved it. And you
1: were and you were popping the Illinois on the jersey. And, and everybody knew when the,
2: I did it. Everybody knew when I did it. You mm. can read if you can read properly what that jersey said.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and people knew that. And people, you know, start liking it because it wasn't it, it wasn't the opposite. It wasn't me. It wasn't about me. It was This is just Illinois. This is how we play. And our guys, you know. Like Darren wasn't that type of dude. Lou was real yeah. quiet. So we needed we needed a, you know, we needed a voice. We needed a mouthpiece. And that was me. You can hate me all you want, but we 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 about to come out here and play well. Even if I don't it was some games I didn't even play well. I knew my role was to make sure my man don't score, to make sure I still brought that same energy, because a lot of guys, when their offense is not going, they you, you don't even know they're on the court. True. Very and, and, true. And, and so for us, we knew that, you know, that's when we picked each other up and played weed ball. We gotta play together now, man. We gotta defend. We gotta take care of the ball, and um, and that was the biggest thing, man, about the Illinois jersey popping. I never did it at home games. I didn't have to do it at home games. Mm -hmm. It only frustrated people on the road.
1: And you know what, though, I because even opponents really have never had opposing fans. Maybe not thrilled at you, right? never anything but respect for you. I've never heard anybody yeah. talk negatively about it. You know, you're you weren't one of those guys that people were like, "Man, I hate that guy. I'd love to have him on my team, but I hate that guy." Nobody ever hated you because I think they really understood the effort and the they passion. recognized the passion yeah. and the energy and the love of the game you brought out there and and you wanted to rip the other team's heart out. No doubt about it. Absolutely. But you were out there Doing everything you could for the game of basketball, I think, and it was people recognize that.
0: Well, oh, and it, it's a, a refreshing to see somebody that's that's leaving it all on the floor again. Like he mentioned he mentioned multiple times, not mm-hmm. for himself, yeah, but for those guys that are in the same color uniform that he's in. I mean, and that's huge. Yeah, got one other. I got another question for you. Outside yeah. of 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 going to the championship game. In the 2005 NCAA tournament, which I was sitting up early in the morning watching that in Spain, by the way. So I was real pissed when the referee got those – I called all them terrible fouls at the beginning of the game. But, you know, anyway, besides (laughs) that, what would be your proudest moment in the game as a a player? Being being in the jersey plan, plan plan-wise? Yeah, yes. And and that's encompassing everything, high school, college, pro. What what would be that moment? I I know it's a hard one. Because I know oh, there's so many one,
2: man that's I think man that's that's a tough one because um I would tell anybody man I, I, taking taking that court at the final four uh was was big but I, I would say how we got there I would say the Arizona game probably the, the highlight part of my life man like besides having my, my children of course like like if you was in the building if you was part of that game you know, I saw a miracle happen. You know what I mean? Down 15 with 3.57 to go against a team that was fully loaded mm-hmm. in, a, in a hostile environment where it was all orange. But everything from the 3 minutes and 57 seconds to the next week, to the next day, I mean, I can't even... You, you can make a movie about it. And I hope, hope one day somebody, you know, really comes out and can paint that picture because it was it was a miracle. The people were so like... Everybody I meet, they, they know they were on that day. Everybody, when they see me, they tell me the story on where they were. I, I can write a book on where everybody was that day. And you'd be like, wow. And the stories they tell you. But if you look at that game, which I watch now, the execution. Now, a lot of people don't respect. Uh, and it's crazy. I don't people. And I hate to say this, but they never gave Coach Webber enough respect on his exit and no game and his coaching agreed.
0: game. Agreed. His coaching
2: game is phenomenal. I just want to let people know that. I took I took a lot of his playbook and put it in my playbook. He know in the future that when he play me, he know how I'm coming um his and his execution all those things we ran from play to play so we executed at a high level because we practice it every single day because we used to walk around with notebooks of plays he used to practice Hey, darren you down 10 um you on this team d make try to cut into that lead vice versa we used to do situational things after every single practice that you got to be committed as a coach for understanding that's going to happen to you. We didn't know it was going to be for, for a trip to the Final Four, but we practiced those things, late games, situational games. Um, you know, so I give a lot of credit to his coaching ability, and but being in that in that environment, playing against Arizona, going back to Champagne, shutting down the expressway, getting back at one in the morning, three thousand people outside, uh, us not sleeping, getting up the next day, realizing we're in the Final Four. Uh, spending time with your guys and understanding that that was our goal from day one is to be able to go to final four win a national championship. So to go through a game like that in your city in front of all your people—that was the last time my grandma saw me play. Uh, my mom, like it, it just was a highlight of my life because of, of it. Just showed you how tough we were and, and how together we were that year. You know, everybody from Jack Ingram to Roger Powell to Darren Williams to Luke Head to myself to Richard McBride, to Nick Smith. Everybody made a play in that game for us to win. And that was an ultimate team victory. And that's and that's what it really should be built on. And when you keep talking team, 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 it's not surprising that the same teams in every pro college high win every single year. There's no secret to it. No. <laughs> it's about we. It's a team-driven organization. And they understand winning basketball, winning baseball, winning it's about winning, winning. We—it's a terminology that everybody they could say they use. Cause a lot of guys say they work hard, but don't work hard. A lot of people say they, you know, they—they—they they, they, sacrifice for the team, but they ain't took a charge all year. It's, it's a—people just talk. They don't mm-hmm. really—the actions don't speak for what they really about. So the ones who, who actually speak about it, just go look at their record right now, and go look at their walk when you walk in their gym and see how many banners they got up. And that's how I judge people nowadays. Because at the end of the day, when we're trying to get a job. First thing I ask people: Let me see your resume. Let me see what you've done. All right. And that's a fact. You know, that's 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 what part. And then on the basketball side, they say this guy is the best. Whoever did it, this guy, that man, better have some championships and a lot of a lot of good numbers. Because if you don't, man, you're just not gonna be brought up in the conversation. You, you know what I mean? You name your top three guys off the back of your head that ever touched the game, you know, touched the basketball. In my opinion, all have won at a high level.
0: Yeah.
2: And we ain't got to talk about their numbers. Let's just talking about what they like. They won at a high level. When you win at a high level, you always going to be, you know, your name going to be brought up with greatness. You're always going to be spoke about. And, and, and they don't understand that every time somebody in the state of Illinois or around the country walk up to me, they always be like, D, that team you was on. And that's the biggest compliment you can ever give me. And that game right there was all team. And it was like, man, I, you know, everybody did something to contribute. And that's going to be that, – that's a highlight in one of the top five games ever in college basketball.
0: Well, hopefully it'll soon be a thirty for thirty. Uh-oh. we might, have to, uh, we need, we might have to, may have to look at that one. We need to, we need to write this book, <laughs> oral history of that that game. I think alone, you're right for sure. <laughs> well, D brother, I, I know you sitting in the office, man, ready to get your grind on. We appreciate, and I think I can speak for Eric when I say this. I appreciate having you on, young fella. I love what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing, young fellas coming into the game now need coaches like you and need guys to show them and teach them what their thing is about because it's not just about the ball that's bouncing, it's about the life you live through it mm-hmm. and um, what you're doing is, is tremendous so I, I appreciate you brother for, for coming on one of like I said Chicago's greatest Illinois' greatest, the University of Illinois' greatest and in my opinion one of the world's greatest appreciate you
2: Man, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, that's a dope shirt you got on too, man. That's a thank you. <laughs> like very nice shirt. Yeah, thank you. That's very, that's very interesting. That's very interesting.
1: People can't see it, of course. It's my Sean Kemp Sonic's t-shirt. Oh, I know, I know, you know.
2: One of the Sonic best ever. come back and get a team. Yes, they do. Yes, they do.
0: One of the best ever to do it. That was my man, big fella, big freak. Yes, Was sir. Was, was, was one of the best.
1: Dee, it's, uh, it's a shame that you've not you, you you've lost so much energy since college. Jeez, we can't tell. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you are exactly the way you were and love it. That's what's going to make you successful and keep being successful in what you're doing. So, again, I, on, on behalf of D, uh, Dion, definitely thank you. Uh, we're going to close things up. We'll let you get back. But as always, we've got to thank Painless Networking, the Painless Podcast Network, and Chris Hartwig. So Anyone in the sports world needs to get connected with Painless Networking on social media or at ww.painless.network. And for our social media, Dee, you're, you're certainly on it. you got you to gotta follow us. Give us a follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to us. And we'd love folks to rate and review us. Again, on behalf of Dion and Dee Brown, thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time down low on The Fadeaway. Swish.